Bach's coronation in 1937 was followed by First World War music hall favourites such as Pack Up Your Troubles in Your Old Kit Bag, Keep the Home Fires Burning, and, nicely vulgar, My Old Man Said Follow the Van. Three hundred children from the Chicken Shed Company danced. At the end the Queen Mother made a short speech of thanks, saying it had been a great joy to me, before driving off to St. James's Palace, where she climbed the stairs to the staterooms and spent the next hour and a half at a reception, sitting down only to talk to the singer Dame Vera Lynn. Two weeks later, on the morning of her actual hundredth birthday, the 4th of August, a large crowd gathered outside her London home, Clarence House. The gates were opened, and the royal postman, Tony Nichols, delivered the traditional message sent by the Queen to all her subjects who reached their hundredth birthday. The Queen Mother started to open it and then passed it to her equerry. "'Come on, use your sword,' she said. Captain William de Rouet unsheathed his ceremonial blade and slit the envelope open. The message was written in the Queen's own hand and read, "'On your hundredth birthday all the family join with me in sending you our loving best wishes for this special day, Lilibet.'" In the Queen Mother's long life, the world had undergone technological change with unprecedented speed and political transformations of exceptional violence. It had moved from the age of travel by horse to that of travel through space. The United Kingdom had suffered the trauma of the Great War and then faced almost continuous challenge from economic and political turmoil through a world slump, the abdication of King Edward VIII, the Second World War, the Cold War. The British monarchy was not isolated from the political and social changes. It had adapted itself, and it had survived. More than that, it had retained the consent of the people essential to constitutional monarchy. This adaptation was largely due to the efforts of successive sovereigns and their advisers. But a key question is the extent to which the consent necessary for its survival was generated by the woman who was, for almost eighty years, at its heart as Duchess of York, Queen and Queen Mother. How did she do it? What combination of qualities had enabled this young Scottish aristocrat to come into the royal family and play such a central role in the life of the nation? How did she earn, and more remarkably, how did she retain her popularity through all of the turbulent twentieth century? Would the British monarchy have evolved in a very different way without her influence? and would that have helped or hindered the institution and the country? All these questions can perhaps be examined in the context of a few words from Walter Badgett, the mid-nineteenth-century writer who is often seen as the greatest interpreter of modern monarchy. The nation is divided into parties, but the crown is of no party. Its apparent separation from business is that which removes it both from enmities and from desecration which preserves its mystery, which enables it to combine the affection of conflicting parties, to be a visible symbol of unity. Elizabeth Angela Marguerite Bowes-Lyon, the ninth child and the fourth daughter of Lord and Lady Glams, was born at the end of the Victorian era, on the 4th of August, 1900. Her family was of distinguished and colourful lineage, in both England and Scotland. Lord Glams was the son and heir of the 13th Earl of Strathmore and Kinghorn, 
The Strathmores trace their ancestry back to the 14th century. Elizabeth's father, Claude George, held the courtesy title of Lord Glamis before succeeding as the 14th Earl in 1904. In 1881 he had married Cecilia Cavendish Bentinck, great-granddaughter of the third Duke of Portland. Their first child, Violet Hyacinth, was born in April 1882, and the second, Mary Frances, May, was followed by a line of sons, Patrick, John, Alexander, Fergus. Next came another girl, Rose, and then Michael. But in 1893 the family was struck by tragedy when Violet contracted diphtheria. She died just two weeks after the birth of her brother Michael. After Michael's birth there was an interlude in the nursery until Elizabeth was born seven years later. Her mother was thirty-eight. There's a small